Good morning. Sunday morning. everybody and welcome to wrong think radio i'm your host aaron broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern virginia and it is just me today alan is out in California, uh having some fun visiting a friend so we're gonna make fun of him and ask him how the people's republic of california is uh faring today but glad that everybody could join us hopefully everything's going okay on the audio side let us know in chat whether or not Everything sounds fine because we can never know. That's just how it works. But for those of you who are joining us for the first time, of course, share the show out. Get anybody in on chat. It'll certainly help me doing this by myself because it's a lot of talking and that's okay. But you can also help support the program by going over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio and becoming a subscriber. It's just $2.99 a month and it basically helps pay the bills. So I know a lot of things have happened. Obviously, I've seen a lot of what uh, you listeners have to say. A lot of you have reached out, contacted me. You know, the sort of the generalized WTF, what do you think of this? Oh, my God, what's happening? Is it the end? Um, a lot of everything is focusing on the speech that Joe Biden gave, um, you know, obviously having... Joe Biden out there with his wonderful red lit background looking like a Star Wars villain and uh, declaring war on Americans. And there's no better way to really look at it than that. The reality of the situation when it comes to this is I think that I've been able to encapsulate a good lead up as to exactly why we saw Joe Biden react the way he reacted, why he gave the speech, um, but also what's going to come next. And so that's sort of the uh, trappings of the entire show today is to explain to everybody what's really happening in the world of Joe Biden. And by that, I mean, obviously, the advisors, the puppet masters, the whomever, because really trying to figure out what's happening in the world of Joe Biden is uh, surmising what happens within the adult brain of someone with dementia. But let me just give you what the last couple of weeks for Joe Biden looked like and why we might be seeing Joe Biden declare war on anyone who doesn't support him. So not only is everything kind of encapsulated around the events of the Mar-a-Lago raid, but let's just go through that story in a condensed version to really show you just how mishandled and terrible all of the messaging around an unprecedented raid against a former president of the United States actually looks. So initially, when the raid against Mar-a-Lago happened, we were seeing all of these different conspiracies. You know, Donald Trump had nuclear content, right? He had the, you know, the nuclear codes, the, you know, he had a, a bomb itself. Who knows? There were all of these theories about, you know, what Donald Trump was holding at Mar-a-Lago. Then, after that, there were even suggestions that he maybe had sensitive information of like the names, the identities of CIA assets. Maybe he was even selling them to the Russians. But it started as he had nuclear secrets 
Then it was, he was just holding classified information. Now this last week, what we saw was randomly a photo with a bunch of classified cover sheets spilled out onto a floor. Now, let me explain to you what's interesting about that photo from the perspective of somebody who has worked in intelligence for quite a while. Number one, the FBI were the people who spread all of that stuff out. The reason why I think that's notable, the reason why I want to point that out is it's a photo op. These things were stored in boxes, but for some strange reason, the FBI felt the need to basically create a photo op, not for any other purpose, not for any evidentiary purpose, meaning not to show something as evidence. They can do that easily with an inventory. You know, they would photograph each document separately. They would do all that. This was meant to be leaked specifically to the public. So then the public would see it and be outraged. So this was entirely a public relations situation. Second, the thing I will point out, classified cover sheets. I'm not going to say that they're not uncommon, but they're not common. Most classified information is distributed through computers. Typically, you have different computers that have different classification settings or hooked up to different classified networks, and then that's how you would get your information. It's not common except for at a high level that people would be printing off this kind of information, carrying it in a cover sheet, carrying it obviously within a container that could transport classified information with all of the proper you know, situations. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is at the presidential level, probably very common to see classified cover sheets, but in the regular day-to-day -day of the intelligence community, uh, those things don't get printed out mostly because it's a pain in the ass to deal with the custody of classified information once it's printed on paper. Why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you this because Everything that you saw that had a classified cover sheet on it was more than likely classified information that was delivered to the president of the United States for the matter of a briefing. Well, that suggests that that was given to the president of the United States. Most of what crazy liberal land on social media is suggesting is that Donald Trump, quote, stole a bunch of classified documents, meaning he went and printed them out or something and he was just going to run off with them. Likely what he actually has is a collection of things that he was briefed. Now, why does that matter and who cares in the sense of that doesn't really change the needle on the argument? Well, let me remind you that these are people that are going to go, you know, intelligence folks that are going to go and brief the president of the United States. Well, once there's a certain level of... I guess, position where when you're starting to go brief someone, it starts to raise the classification level specifically because of the audience that's receiving it. Now, I'm not saying that that's appropriate. That's not how things are written when it comes to classified information. Typically, the sources and methods are what classifies the information, not even necessarily the information itself. How it was obtained is usually what predicates the type of inf or the type of classification that goes into the information sources and methods you've heard this a lot 
But there is obviously, like any other large organization, when you start adding rank to the audience, the classification level suddenly will start to change. I've had this happen plenty of times where normal briefing, normal briefing, normal briefing, suddenly we're going to go brief a general and everybody wants to review the classification of it. And I have absolutely been told just, just raise the classification on it. Just, just, just raise it. It's going to be going to these people, raise the classification on it. There's a lot of jokes in the intelligence community that I'm not necessarily going to dive into right now, because honestly, it'd probably bore most of you about how we overclassify literally everything. Now, none of this matters when it comes to a deranged left that just wants to get Trump. And we all know that. So I, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm doing anybody a disservice by not diving into all of this stuff and going into the how this is totally not a thing and see how Donald Trump's not. I don't think I need to prove that to, you know, I don't think I have to prove that to intelligent people like our audience because this is just another get Trump scheme. So what's the point of just getting into the minutia? I, some of it is just to paint the picture. But some of it also is, you know, it's hard to gauge because of all of the muddying of the water and the misinformation that we're exposed to all the time. The, the left is literally flooding the zone with bullshit specifically to keep it to where we can't even properly debate because we can't properly frame because they keep shifting. And that's what I'm talking about with the it was nuclear codes. Then it was classified stuff he stole. Now, as of now, just a couple of days ago, the new filing with a different judge suddenly became a, well, the, those were actually empty folders. In fact, one of the fun discussions that was happening throughout the you know liberal media this last week was what is SCI? So, uh, so sensitive compartmentalized information. That's a caveat. It's what we call it that goes on to uh, a classification header. So you'd have top secret, top secret, sensitive compartmentalized information, top secret, uh, special access programs, stop, top secret, Q. Q is the code for nuclear. Usually means that it contains uh, uh, nuclear information. There's other caveats as well. Point is, because you have a bunch of ignorant idiots in the liberal media who just want to paint a narrative, they started talking about secure, uh, uh, sensitive compartmentalized information or SCI information as if it was somehow groundbreaking. In reality, it's not. In fact, for the most part, that's used for things like communication intercepts, investigations. It usually means that there is some sort of sensitive collection method that is utilized uh, to gather the information. This can be anything from a uh, confidential human source. This could be communication intercept. This could be a wiretap. That would fall under an SCI program. Special access programs are typically smaller programs that you'll see running. That's a lot of what you'll see under, you know, the uh, you know the CIA. You know, different operations that go under there. Those are your special access programs. Additionally. You get into other stuff, human control, which is our human intelligence gathering, confidential human sources. None of this really 
matters much, like I said, when everyone wants to get Trump. But what's happening now is the ignorance of people when it comes to how the intelligence community works is being weaponized by the leftist media to just derange as many people as possible. And I need you all to understand that. And it's frustrating as an intelligence analyst, as an intelligence trainer, it gets infuriating to have to now beat back the ignorance of people because MSNBC wants to just basically bullshit and gaslight their audience into believing orange man bad. And at the end of the day, that's the entire point of it. But so as I was saying, we have to look at the week that Joe Biden had or the couple weeks that Joe Biden has had to really encapsulate why he went forward and basically made the Emperor Palpatine speech where, you know, Uncle Joe really became Uncle Joe Stalin. And so let me explain this. You did an unprecedented raid against your political opponent. There was a lot of information that was flood out to the media to start painting this picture. And hopefully, I, I don't know what the intent was. I the We've talked about it a lot on this program, how the intent of everything that's been going on lately seems to be to try to shore up the Democrat base. Most of the messaging that's coming out of the White House, most of the messaging that's coming out of the liberal media and all of the talking points don't seem to be geared at appealing to that precious independent uh, group, which is typically what you'll see in this kind of uh, area of the midterms. We're entering labeled Labor Day. Labor Day is now what is considered the political season. After Labor Day is the big push for the midterms. Usually, candidates will try to move and go toward the middle or appeal to those independent voters. You've already shored up your base. Now you need to get that couple of percent of those independent voters. My opinions on independent voters notwithstanding in this explanation. I don't think that there's that many independents truly in the United States, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is that the entire time that Joe Biden's been a politician, this is the tactic that they have been using. Well, would you think that anything that you're seeing is appealing to the middle road of America? Do you think all the divisive actions going after your political opponent appeals to middle America? Or is this still to shore up the deranged psychopathy of your crazy base? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that the messaging that we're seeing from the White House seems to be obsessive with keeping the most liberal of Democrats happy. Well, why would you do that? Likely, it's because Joe Biden's losing his ass. He has the worst polls, the worst approval rating of any president at this time in their presidency since we've been conducting opinion polls on the presidency. He is not doing well. And in fact, he's going to be a weight around the ankles of every other Democrat on the ticket, primarily because of the poor economic decisions. At the end of the day, regardless of the social media battles that you've had, who you've been fighting with on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever the hell else everybody fights with people when it comes to politics. When people are going to walk into a voting booth, they're ultimately going to have to think about what's actually happening in their day-to-day -day lives. Most people don't rush out to, you know, the school, the church or the, you know, community center to go 
pull a lever or really push a button because they got into an argument with somebody on Twitter. Likely they're going to do it because A, they're encouraged to do so and they think that it'll make a change. Well, what changes are Americans going to be looking at? Right now, gas is expensive. For many, it's the most expensive it's ever been. Their wages equal nothing. Inflation has decimated the value of the dollar to the point where any increase that you've received in your wage is hopefully zero, meaning meaningless, but for many, negative. Your pay increases, if you received any this year, have been dwarfed so much by inflation that you are actually making less money. All the while that this is happening, and you can tangibly see supply chain issues, you can tangibly feel gas prices, you can tangibly feel the lack of, you can tangibly feel the lack of your wages going as far as they used to. You're listening to a White House that will blatantly lie about things that you are actually feeling. They will tell you everything is great while you suffer. They'll tell you to be happy about it and call you a liar if you say otherwise. It is absolutely fascinating. And it's so obvious that they're lying that even the awful press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, can't even lie properly without sounding like a five-year-old telling you a crazy story. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre this week talking about how many jobs were created by President Biden. So, as you know, the good news is in August, the economy created 315,000 jobs, which is important. We have created nearly 10,000 million jobs since President Biden took office, uh, which is the fastest job growth in history. So you're asking me, where's the success? Here it is. Wait, let me finish. Wait, wait. 10,000 million jobs. It was one gorgillion jobs. A bazillion million jobs. Why are you crying? We've made a bazillion million quadrillion jobs. Yeah, she probably misspoke. I mean, her entire job is to speak. So it's a little bit different when you're literally the press secretary and you misspeak. So we do get to make fun of that a little bit. But at the same time, we told you that this was going to happen in January when Biden became president. We told you on this show that they were going to take all of the economic destruction that occurred because of COVID, turn around and celebrate how many jobs they created. When in reality, these are just people going back to work after liberal policies, lies from the uh, Center for Disease Control, lies from the National Institute of Health, you know, uh, Dr. Evil Fauci out there destroying the entire United States economy, having a bunch of people lose their jobs, and then they're going to tout how great they did. We saw this happen under the Obama administration. This happens under Democrat administrations all the time. They will create a crisis. Then they will moderately fix it. Never fully. It'll never get better. It'll just get slightly less worse and then they demand that you pat them on the back for kind of sort of fixing it. We're seeing this with gas prices. Gas prices go up to $4 a gallon. 
Then all of a sudden it's $3.80 a gallon, still far more expensive than before Joe Biden took office, sometimes a dollar or dollar fifty more. And they'll say, we saved you 20 cents a gallon. You should thank us. You should vote for us. You should support us. Why aren't you happy? That's exactly how these policies work all the time. So that's what we're looking at for the midterms for Joe Biden. We're looking at a terrible economy. We're looking at a very upset population. And because of their diversity hire in the press office, they can't even lie properly. They're out there saying, we've created 10 gorgillion jobs. And then every politicized fact checker goes out and says, fact check, true. Gorgillion's a real number. And that's exactly how this works. But then additionally, what else is going on in Biden world that's going to cause him to basically snap and go insane? Well, we reported on this show last week that they confirmed Ashley Biden's diary was real. Now, how did they confirm that for those who weren't able to tune in? Well, it was easily confirmed by the fact that the FBI arrested two people who were trying to sell it, which is interesting. See, this is one of those fascinating parts where the Ashley Biden diary was a news story quite a while ago. I mean, probably almost a year ago now. And honestly, the Democrats were doing a pretty good job just ignoring it, not talking about it, not addressing it. But because Biden has such an obsession with punishing his political enemies, the FBI, once again, weaponized for political purposes, went out and arrested the people who had found Ashley Biden's diary and attempted to sell it. This is, by the way, after the FBI raided a journalist's apartment looking for this diary. Well, we now have confirmation because, well, the only reason why the FBI is going to be involved over a stolen diary, as they claim, is because it belonged to the daughter of the president of the United States. Well, with that confirmation, it makes it a news story again. And what was part of that news story? The admission in that diary about taking inappropriate showers with Joe Biden and blaming that on her sexual promiscuity. Okay. Well, that's not good optics if you're Joe Biden, who creepily sniffs little girls and for whatever reason seems to be surrounded by people with very questionable ties to children. Also, the encouragement of child sex trafficking through your border policies. But I'm not going to get into the conspiracy that that's the point, but maybe it is. Anyway, so that happened. So you have Joe Biden having to deal with the fact that, you know, his darkest secrets of the weirdness that he goes on is being put out. You also have Biden, you know, out there looking at cratering poll numbers. Nobody likes him. I mean, honestly, like he he's doing awful. I mean, even by the most liberal polls, he's in the 30s. It's terrible. But it keeps getting worse. Documents revealed this week show that the Biden administration was asking social media companies to censor specific accounts, not phrases, not narratives, not subjects, specific accounts. And they were having weekly meetings to do it. 
Now, I want you to understand how prolific this actually is. All of us sitting here know that there was collusion between the White House and social media. We know who social media takes their orders from. But there were so many people in the elite, in even even in circles of the GOP that sat there in this weird, ignorant, crazy denial. How many times on this program have we had to sit there and just lose our minds over some of these idiot conservatives that are clinging to the idea that, well, Twitter is a private company and Facebook is a private company and I will not stand here while people who call themselves conservatives suggest that we tell a private company how to do their business. Oh, that is an affront to the free market. Yeah, we all lived through that. And it was frustrating for those of us that aren't idiots because we knew what was happening the entire time. It wasn't just that some private company happened to have the exact same politics, the exact same narrative, the exact same strategy as Democrat politicians. It's because they were colluding the entire time. And it was frustrating because this is the trap that all of these Republicans always fall into, which is exactly why the left weaponized these companies. Because, duh, they knew that if they went to a social media company and got them to start influencing the flow of information, got them to start censoring on behalf of the Democrat Party, got them to block stories, got them to suppress any sort of competing ideology, that the lame weak need spineless GOP would turn around and scream free market and would defend the activity the entire time, which is how we ended up in a situation where Twitter and Facebook suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was known by several different opinion polls would have changed the outcome of the election. I mean, would have changed the outcome of the election so much they couldn't have even cheated their way into winning with a guy who stayed in his basement the entire time, never campaigned and had nothing to show for himself. So all of this is coming to a head. And some of it has equated to the fact that House Republicans have stated that if they take power, they are going to begin impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Now, whether or not we believe that, I don't know, to be honest. I'm not saying that people, I'm not trying to encourage people to like not vote or do anything like that. But I do think that if we're going to go out to the polls and organize the things that are bothering us so much and show a great lead, basically create this red wave that people are expecting and rightfully so, well, there's a secondary portion to that. And it's holding those GOP representatives accountable. One of the things that I'm the most tired of when it comes to politics in general is the lack of accountability after every election. Meaning, we consistently see GOP representatives win. Everyone's excited. We're like, finally, stuff's going to get fixed. Something's going to happen. 
And then those representatives do next to nothing, even on the easy stuff. I mean, the January 6th situation is what I would consider to be the easy stuff. You have hundreds of American citizens that are being politically persecuted, held in D.C. jails for 18 months without even being able to appear before a court. I mean, it's like a gulag, for God's sakes. Yet for some weird, crazy reason, so few GOP representatives want to speak out about it because they're afraid of what MSNBC is going to say about them and stuff like that. And part of what's been going on lately in these midterm races and a lot of these primaries is finally seeing some of these people held accountable. The reason why Cheney lost in Wyoming isn't because necessarily that there was such a great candidate against her. Now, don't get me wrong. um, Hagerman does look good. But at the same point, this is part of that accountability. If we let the GOP do business as usual, Liz Cheney would still be in one of the top leadership positions of the GOP. And Liz Cheney would still be a representative from Wyoming. Because there's nothing these people love more than the status quo. But the reason why Liz Cheney lost and lost bad is because there is this hunger to start holding the GOP accountable, and it's a good thing. And if you take a look at some of the never Trumpers and neocons, you can tell that it scares the hell out of them. They really. Sorry about that, everybody. Had a slight twitch on the microphone. If I bump the cable, it freaks out. No, um, but if you listen to the Never Trumpers and the neocons, they're having a coronary because they can't stand the idea of the unwashed masses actually having influence in what the GOP does. That's the true fear that's coming out of the neoconservative movement. So. I'm going to have to check. Is the audio still choppy? Because I just fixed the bumped cable. Give me one second, everybody. You're going to hear a brief moment of silence, and then we'll be back. All right, hopefully the audio is a little bit better. Let me know. Not sure what I can do about it if it's not after that fix, but we'll have to see. Um, it's what happens when you randomly bump a cable. It's always the joy. It's a little bit better. Well, that's not great. Huh. Well, I'll do my best to try to fiddle with that and see what we can do to fix it. Real quick, though, I'm going to play some audio from Biden's speech. Or take a second.
Maybe it's better now. Who knows? Just do a full reset in the middle of the show. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yep. All right. So now we know how to fix that problem. Thanks, everybody, for holding on. Uh, I guess this means I'm going to have to go into the uh, podcast before I post it for everybody else and do a bunch of editing to cut out all the blank spots. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, you know what I should do? I should have a stinger on the show. Um that just has like the old announcer voice. And so when something like that happens, they'll be like this wrong think radio break is brought to you by audio issues. And then just have some sort of commercial as if we're actually selling like integration and audio problems. That would be a hell of a lot of fun. But, um, so the, at the end of the day, you know, all of this leads up to the weirdness of that speech that, everybody saw. And I, I don't think I need to dive into why this is as crazy as it is, why this is so, you know, the, uh, why, why we, why we're worried about everything that we heard in Biden's speech. What was, what was scary about it? You know, like, do I really need to harp on the idea um, that the unprecedented nature of Biden's speech and how crazy and terrifying it actually is? Well, Here's a mashup of all the different crazy things that Biden said during his speech the other night at Independence Hall in Pennsylvania. And then we'll break it down. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans quote a clear and present danger to our democracy. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. The blind loyalty to a single leader and a willingness to engage in political violence. Now, let me explain to you um, before there was a really great comment um, on our chat here from Colleen saying what was scary about it is how well the left received it. And I'll get to that in a second, but let me explain to you where a lot of this comes from. The imagery of what you're seeing proves the claim that we've been making on this program for a while, which is that the consulting class for the Democrat party basically lives on Twitter meaning that everything that they do is encouraged by stuff that they see posted on Twitter, how many likes something gets, and they think that Twitter is real life. And we've been able to prove that statistically with just some of the dumb things that we've seen come out of the Democrat Party. And the way that they move forward and the messaging that they utilize only ever actually makes sense if you think that the opinion of Twitter is the opinion of all of America, which is, I can't tell you how much of a dumb metric that is, but uh, these people make way more money than I do and they continually fail. But uh, 
I wish I wish I could get paid to fail upward like these people do. But because of the hilarity of basically trying to figure out which insult would stick against Trump and the GOP, there were all of these hilarious memes that were created uh, about four or five months ago because Joe Biden started saying extreme MAGA and like all, all of these, he started just adding all of these other little caveats to the term MAGA. And so people started running with it and they created what was called dark MAGA. And, you know, everybody sees the red, like glowing eyes and they started calling it dark MAGA. And it was just sort of a fun little meme that was going around on social media. Well, after that, some Democrats tried to create what they called dark Brandon. And this was supposed to be like a slap back. It was supposed to make Joe Biden look cool. And these idiots actually thought it was popular because so many people started sharing it or whatever. Most of it was making fun of it. And it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if I, if we found out that like the political consultants sitting there in Washington, DC saw all of this activity on Twitter about dark Brandon and didn't even realize that it was everybody mocking it and talking about how cringy and lame it was and how it was, this is what happens when you let boomers on social media, like that kind of thing. And they turned around and said, it's super popular. And then those same idiot consultants were like, what if we put Biden at independence hall and then we had him basically embrace dark Brandon. And instead, he just basically looks like a Soviet psychopath. At the end of the day, you can't take that speech that Joe Biden gave and not come, come away with the concept that Joe Biden is saying, if you do not support me, you are an enemy of the state. Now, he's tried to walk it back. But I'm not going to go into that. I don't care about his walking it back. He's walking it back because it didn't go the way he thought it was going to. But I believe he meant what he said. I believe that he meant every aspect of it. We just watched him raid his political opponent. We're watching him still persecute people who protested the election. We're still watching the after effects of the FBI setting up a false flag kidnapping of a governor during an election in an attempt to do nothing more than to smear one political party. So yeah, this is the natural progression. The natural progression is that Joe Biden wants to make his political opponents the enemy of the state. They were trying to do it for the last four years by claiming that anybody who disagreed with Democrats were a Russian agent. You know, the biggest threat to democracy. My God, Russia. I mean, geez, we should probably just throw them all in jail, right? But how do you walk back this? You, you don't. You don't. I, that, that's the real answer. You can't walk back this kind of rhetoric. Now, 
going back to Colleen's comment about how scary is how well the left received it. Well, like I said earlier in this program, doesn't that seem a little weird to you? Yes, the left received it well, but why are you doing things to try to get the left to receive it? Shouldn't they already be shored up in these midterms? Why would you go and do a speech that is only ever geared towards your already most ardent supporters? The, you know, activists on social media that are all already always out there, that are already going to vote for you, that are already supporting anything that you say, because unlike Republicans, the left conflates everything with a person. It's always the person, never the policy. Joe Biden could turn around right up. Well, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to do it as an analogy. I'm going to tell you right now. Joe Biden is bailing out big banks and the left is praising it. What do, what do I mean by that? When, when did Joe Biden start bailing out big banks? Well, what the hell do you think student loan forgiveness is? What's he forgiving? He's sure. Perhaps there are some people that aren't going to have to pay ten dollars to $20,000 on their student loans. Okay. But you've seen the cost estimates, right? I mean, the White House initially claimed it was going to cost something like just a few billion or is actually going to save money, I think is what they initially claimed. But there, there are estimates that the cost of student loan forgiveness could be as high as $1 trillion. $1 trillion. Well, why is it going to cost money? No one ever really wants to think about that aspect. Why is it going to cost so much to forgive student loans? Well, because the government is going to cut a nice fat check to every single bank. That's what's happening. Student loan forgiveness isn't taking the debt away from anyone. It's not taking your debt away in the sense that you think it is. The government is giving the bank money. That's all that's happening here. The government, this is people being taxed because that's how the government makes money. The government writing a fat check to banks and then saying, okay, now you don't have to pay it because the government just gave the bank a bunch of money. It doesn't solve any of the problem. It doesn't solve why tuition rates are so high. It doesn't solve why there seems to be this stilted, crazy thing where universities are handing out degrees that are essentially worthless in modern America. They have no job prospects, no job opportunities whatsoever. You wouldn't see this in anything else but a government-backed program. You couldn't have this kind of idiocy in the free market because people would just be fired and lose their jobs. But you start going into things like the government, quote, forgiving student loans, which in reality is just giving a bunch of money to the banks. That's it. And of course, the banks are all about this. I mean, that's the greatest thing ever. Are you kidding me? We're about to get billions of dollars from the United States government in a big fat check. Yeah, they're going to be all about this. Why would they ever, ever fix the issue of student loans? 
when all they have to do is just start exerting pressure and get a bunch of people screaming on Twitter about it and the government cuts you a fat check. It's like the greatest thing ever. So yeah, Joe Biden can claim that, quote, MAGA Republicans, which in reality is half of America, if not more, really it's anybody who disagrees with him and he has the worst approval ratings of any president this time in his presidency. So we'll just say the majority of Americans are extremists and and they have a blind ideology to one person. All while we're watching Democrats cheer massive payoffs to big banks and calling it student loan forgiveness. I mean, and, and this goes along with the other stuff that we've talked about before on the show too. Like never in my life did I think that people who years ago used to rail against big pharma would suddenly become the greatest defenders of big pharma I've ever seen. I literally know people personally who consistently, one of their big things that they were always mad about was big pharma. They were disgusted by it. I remember during the Obama administration, that was one of the biggest targets that they had when they started talking about, you know, that we needed socialized healthcare. We absolutely had to have Obamacare. We had to have Medicare for all. And it was because big pharma was this giant evil monolith. And it was a giant evil monolith that was stealing billions of dollars and it was threatening people's lives. It was the worst. And now they cheer everything that big pharma does because they were told to by someone on TV. Same people, the same people who for years railed against how big pharma was awful and gross and disgusting, and they were just profit-driven and they were absolutely evil. Suddenly, greatest thing that has ever existed in the history of ever, because the Democrats said so, because MSNBC said so, because Joe Biden said so. So I'm not going to sit here and listen to Joe Biden talk about people, you know, having a blind ideology to one man or whatever you want to say, when I can literally watch people I've known almost my entire life completely backtrack on opinions that they've held for years just because CNN or MSNBC changes its mind. I mean, I get it, you know, everyone out there, of course, like... You know, the left lies. And so why should we be shocked? But that's an interesting segue into part of what we're talking about here. For example, just this week, the National Institute of Health, headed by none other than Anthony Fauci, added some guidelines to their COVID-19 treatment. Let's take a look at some of the COVID-19 treatment that the NIH recognizes. For example, antiviral therapy. These sections summarize the data on retinavir boosted nirmatravir, sorry about that, and remdesivir and other antiviral medications. So I should have looked a little bit further ahead here and saw that I could have just said Paxlovid instead of (laughs) slaughtering the names of some of these things. But They have a list of different antiviral therapies, and you might be shocked on that list. Ivermectin. Here's the description. Ivermectin is an antiparasitic drug that is being evaluated to treat COVID-19. I, just like most of you, 
remember not even a year ago that, or maybe a little over a year ago, but, but that was, that was horse paste. All of these dumb idiots, these dumb MAGA Republicans are trying to push horse paste. It's, it's horse paste. Oh my God, they're eating horse paste. Oh, well, suddenly it's now being recognized. Interesting. And this is from a study uh, that was also released this week. Regular use of ivermectin as prophylaxis for COVID-19 led up to a 92% reduction in COVID-19 mortality rate in a dose-response manner. Results of a prospective observational study of a strictly controlled population of 88,012 subjects. I don't care about shilling for ivermectin specifically. What frustrates and angers me is that we were lied to. It was an effective treatment. People knew it was effective. There were studies that already showed it was effective, but it was silenced. You were called a conspiracy theorist. You were told that you were encouraging people to eat horse paste, and you're a big, dumb idiot because of that. Why? The question is, is why did they react that way? Well, I'll tell you exactly why they would react that way. Because you don't have a patent on ivermectin. No pharmaceutical has an exclusive patent on ivermectin. It's cheap. And you can't get the government to sell it. That's why. So much of COVID-19 is just a grift for the pharmaceutical industry. They patented the drugs. They got the government to sell it for them and finance it. And they're going to continue to do so. If it wasn't under the guise of public health, if fear wasn't weaponized to convince people to go do these things. And if we weren't consistently oppressed by the government for other political reasons because of COVID-19, I would say that this was a brilliant business decision that entirely leveraged the idiocy of Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, I don't want to praise it at all because it's flat out evil, but it's exactly how progressivism works. It's exactly the kind of government, everything that you saw during the COVID-19 pandemic is exactly how the government will run in the utopian liberal paradise that the Democrats want to build. They will constantly weaponize your neighbors against you, your communities against you until you comply and all of it instead of being anything even remotely about what they say, it's probably just to make them or their friends rich. I mean, we did just watch that Speaker of the United States go to Taiwan for no other reason than probably to just make sure that her stocks were doing okay. Which, by the way, it's a good thing that she sold all of her NVIDIA stock because uh, they then passed legislation that made it crash, but it's okay because Nancy Pelosi sold it before that happened. But you know, that's not insider trading or anything. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You know, 
It's fine that Liz Cheney increased her, you know, entire wealth 600% while she was in Congress. There's nothing weird there. She's just really smart about investments, guys. Don't even suggest anything otherwise. How dare you? But interesting, not only is Biden declaring war, which, but th- th- well, actually, you know, real quick before I even dive into that, let's take a look at some of the uh, reactions to, you know, Biden's crazy speech, because I've heard a lot about like Biden taking a war footing, uh, which seems really strange because he's talking about Americans. Should we be excited over the idea that the president is taking a quote war footing against against his fellow Americans? That seems a little weird. But um, here's all the weirdos over at MSNBC. Um, this is uh, this is the kind of stuff that they're telling their audience. So let's just uh, let's just let's just take a listen and see where this rhetoric might be going. Well, I think President Joe Biden's been doing his job, honestly. Uh, you know, remember he. President Joe Biden's been doing his job, honestly. Uh, you know, remember, he inherited the presidency during a massive streak of uncertainty because of the COVID pandemic that also created a lot of economic uncertainty. Where Joe Biden has been over the last year and a half, he's been getting stuff done. And we're coming off of a historic you know, sequence of events where we've gotten bipartisan gun reform done. We've gotten infrastructure done. We've gotten uh, the CHIPS bill done. We've gotten the Inflation Reduction Act done. Joe Biden has been doing his job. And now that the legislative successes have piled up, he can now turn his focus to the broader conversation that many of us have been having about the health of democracy. And let's be very clear here. The Republican Party, the MAGA Republicans, are a domestic terrorist cell operating in America. This is a group of people who have decided that it is acceptable to use violence and threats of violence to try to achieve their political means, that it's okay to threaten law enforcement to stop them from doing their job. Well, anytime that you have a group of people dedicated and devoted to using violent rhetoric, extreme means to incite violence against other people, that is terrorism. That's what we're seeing from this version of the modern Republican Party. It's like opposite world, right? (laughs) Like, isn't it incredible? Like the gaslighting is insane, right? Like after the, so just recently, like, yeah, we can, we can get into the summer of 2020. We all remember that. But just recently, just recently, a random guy from California was out there getting ready to assassinate a Supreme Court justice because MSNBC told him that they were going to make, you know, abortion illegal. That happened. That's real. The left did that. That was a real thing. That guy's a Democrat. He votes Democrat. He listens to this kind of shit. That actually happened. It's going to assassinate his Supreme Court justice. He had zip ties and a knife. He was going to torture his family. We have them. We have random Republican lawmakers being attacked while they're out to dinner. You had Marjorie Taylor Greene, a representative in the United States Congress, has had people call SWAT teams to try to get her killed. In the middle of the night, they want to have a SWAT team kick down her door and hopefully shoot her in the face. Not to mention some of the violence that saw after the Roe v. Wade decision was made. How many 
pregnancy clinics, just because they don't offer abortion, were firebombed by leftists. How many? How many times have we seen angry, deranged groups of leftists out there committing violence and they will ignore it the entire time? And then they will turn around and claim somehow violence and violent rhetoric from the, what are they even talking about? Where did this even happen? What's your example here? Are you going to cry again about January 6th? Is that all they have? Well, oh my God, look at this one time, this one thing that they did. Oh my God. Is that what they're talking about? Oh, are they talking about the mean emails that the FBI got that probably aren't even true? Or even if they are, who cares? Seriously, who cares? The violent anti-law enforcement rhetoric? Seriously, an MSNBC host unabashedly is now bitching about anti-law enforcement rhetoric after they encouraged riots a year ago. Well, two years ago. Literally, encouraged riots. All cops are bastards. <laughs> it's insane. I, I just, I don't know how your standard NPR American can go about their day-to-day -day lives without staring down at their shoes in shame because of their ever-changing opinions based on what the man on TV said. It's incredible. And it's unconscionable that they would pretend like we don't have memories. But here we are. They want to turn the majority of Americans into terrorists specifically so they can punish them. And what is this actually leading to? Because even earlier this week, Joe Biden said that Americans who think that they can take on the government um, with their AR-15 are stupid because they have tanks and bigger weapons. That's the kind of insanity that Joe Biden has been saying. I mean, it's, you have a president here. Let me, let me just play the clip and then, and then we'll, we'll get to it. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe. If you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need a, something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. That's you. And for those. Okay. So, you know, Joe Biden has F-15s. Don't worry about your AR-15. Apparently that's Okay. And then he goes out and talks about how over half the country are the enemy of the state. Yeah, he is building the case to go after Americans who don't support him. That's the entire concept there. And, you know, hilariously. Now, some of this, by the way, a lot of this is to cover up the fact that something big did happen a year ago. And that was the failed pullout by Joe Biden of Afghanistan. A massive failure.
So is it surprising that he goes out and says this just absolutely insane speech that's purely meant to be inflammatory and, you know, make him look tough? Sure. Some of that was probably factored in was, hey, Joe Biden, you looked like an epic pussy when you handed Afghanistan over to the Taliban. Uh, so let's try to make you look super tough. But instead of making you look tough against the Taliban, let's make you look tough against other Americans. How about you just oppress other Americans because you're obviously not going to win against the Taliban because you're a giant pussy. Um, I have to do my best to control myself when we talk about the Afghan pullout, uh, mostly because I went there a couple of times. And regardless of how people feel about the rationale for us being in Afghanistan, how we were handling Afghanistan, any of that, we, we, we can have those discussions all day long. We can discuss whether it was handled, whether we should have been, all of these things. At the end of the day, being boots on ground there, conducting missions there, working with the people there, grabbing targets there, throughout all of those situations, regardless of any of the rationale or how I feel about political decisions, Afghanistan is personal. And I can't make it not personal because of the time I spent there. So it's beyond politics for me. In fact, not to get too personal about it, and I don't like doing this, but this is going to caveat into something else. In a couple of weeks, both Alan and I are going to be traveling because we are going to a ceremony that's being held in honor of the 10 year anniversary of one of the people that we lost while we were deployed in 2012. Only 20 of us deployed small group. And, uh, there was an attack on an observation post that killed all but two soldiers. One of the soldiers killed was one of the guys from our 20 person group that deployed. One of our other soldiers that was part of that 20 person group was wounded. He ended up going home. Several infantrymen were killed. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, so I apologize. But that's the reason why this is happening is because, you know, they want to recognize that. And, you know, it's something that our old unit wants to do. So later uh, this month, we will be traveling out there. Um, and it's lining up with remembering sitting there watching television, which I don't, I don't watch news on television a lot, but watching the C-17s and the C-130s leave 
being chased by Afghans hanging on to the sides, seeing 13 service members killed by a bombing, watching the Biden administration claim that they killed a terrorist with a drone strike when in reality it was a family in a vehicle. And then a year later, watching the media act like it never happened. In fact, watching the media act like Afghanistan never happened. Years of my life, years of my life spent in a combat zone will forever be ignored because it's not politically expedient because of the failure of this president and how he couldn't even handle a withdrawal properly. And they will ignore those years because they don't want to talk about it. And it's not even just the years of deployment, all the training, all the time lost, forgotten. Instead, Joe Biden checks his watch. Why? Because he wanted it to be over because it was inconvenient. And to cover it up, he declares war on Americans because he wants to look tough. So yeah, it's a little personal. It's a little upsetting. I don't know a better way to say it. There are plenty who had worse deployments than I, of course. There are plenty who did not come home, some of whom I know. But one of the reasons why we started this program, one of the reasons, hell, actually to be funny about it, if for those of you who can go way, way, way back when this program had a different name, when I started broadcasting, I used to open the program with From the Shadow of the Hindu Kush. Because when I started broadcasting, I was in Afghanistan in 2015. But point is, there's been a lot of discussion about Joe Biden using the military as props. And it's one of the reasons why we started this program is because the how infuriating it was to watch the military be used as props. Props are a thing that happens in politics. I'm not stupid to that. But I am so inherently tired of hearing everybody talk about how they support the troops. But then when it really comes down to supporting the troops, it's all lip service. And it happens on both sides, don't get me wrong. But we're always paraded out there for sympathy. We're always paraded out there to spend more money, to justify some other war that doesn't even involve our citizens. We're always paraded out there as a cudgel to shut up detractors. The most recent situation of that was watching John Stewart try to shame anybody who stood against this dumb shit legislation 
where they claimed that it was supposed to be taking care of the effects of burn pits to service members. But they stuff in something like $400 billion of just random liberal spending for zero reason on the backs of soldiers. And what does John Stewart do? What liberals like John Stewart do best scream troops and hope that gets everyone to show. Why don't you support the troops? I don't understand. How come you don't support the troops? I cannot tell you how infuriating and tiring it is to watch yourself and your service be weaponized by people who hate you. I was involved in the war on terror when Jon Stewart still had a show on Comedy Central and consistently kneecapped my service, consistently shit on everything we were doing, consistently whined about our activities in the Middle East. Not because he was against it, not because he's anti-intervention. No, 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 no. Because he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat tool. That's it. There's no greater ideology there. There's no greater purpose there. He's a Democrat tool. And they want to turn the military into Democrat tools. So yeah, I get a little tired of it. But that's the infuriating part. And so, yeah, I think some of this does have to do with the fact that Joe Biden failed so miserably at the withdrawal in Afghanistan and around the year anniversary, they wanted to make him look tough and, and they wanted to get the right wing talking about literally anything else than the fact that Joe Biden screwed up all of those years that we spent out there. Eric has a... That's a good post here is a uh, John Stewart comes across to me as nothing more than a paid actor. Well, <laughs> you nailed it, buddy. <laughs> That's it. John Stewart's just a paid actor. <laughs> I don't know a better way to, to really put it there. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's just some, you know, sometimes the, the most, uh, uh, and a very bad actor at that. Yeah. No, but sometimes like it just is right. It's like sometimes the, the simplest, that's just the simplest thing he is. He's a paid actor, you know, and you see it a lot too. Uh, when, when people like make comments, when you have celebrities that make comments on social media, people are like, why, why the hell should I listen to some Hollywood actor? Well, that's exactly it. Right. Is like, why should you be listening to some holiday act- these pe- or Hollywood actor? These people are literally paid to lie. That's what they do. So, so for those of you uh, watching the chat, he's now he's literally listing out just all of the liberals, uh, liberal actors, um, you know that 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 are out there. You know Meryl Streep, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, I mean it's it's all the same things. You know, and back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, which I I, I kind of like about you know not having my co-host on right now, is is the ability to kind of go backward and point out, um, you know how like. The left who constantly claims that they're out there for the poor, but their biggest cheerleaders are millionaires that all live in zip codes that you can't even afford to look at. And they don't see how insane that absolutely is. But, you know, here we are. 
So another thing that we have to take a look at is when when we when we discuss what's going on with Biden and his speech and, and all of that is who was the audience? This is always the question that we ask, and this this is the good way um, for you to always gauge what the intent of certain actions in politics are, was who was this for? Who was the intended audience for Joe Biden's crazy, uh, you know, Stalin speech? And, well, number one, you have to look at it. It was a Friday night. There were two major football games going on. And so nobody, uh, nobody wanted to have anything to, you know, nobody's going to watch it. Right. But who was the intended, uh, audience for this? And Alan and I did have some discussions earlier this week about what we thought it might be or who we thought it might've been. Obviously the first go-to is, oh, this was probably intended for just the most crazy, you know, liberals out there because of course it was, why wouldn't they be? Right. And, you know, maybe there's, there's obviously some of that to, to get the base going, to get them running and, and wanting to get them to, to kind of be crazy about it, um, to get the liberals something to, to screech over and, and form that up. That's been a constant thing that we've talked about regularly is, um, that whole, you know, aspect there, but in a, additional thing that we need to look at is what if the intended focus was the right wing, the reaction from the right? What if that's the point? Now, let's get a little theoretical here. Let's take a look into the potentials of why that might be. Number one, I'm just going to throw this out directly uh, so I can get it here. I can get it posted on audio. Once I heard what Biden said in that speech, my immediate reaction was, now I know for a fact that the FBI is going to conduct a false flag. That's flat out right there. Now I know the FBI is going to conduct a false flag. Why? That kind of rhetoric you have to make come true. Joe Biden needs to make the fear that he created come true. And the bait is not going to be taken by the right wing. The best that the left has when they complain about, quote, right wing extremism is these occasional videos you see on social media of the Patriot Front, which I know a lot of people say that they're just they're just the feds. Maybe, maybe not. We've talked about how like that would be, it's the worst fed up in history because it's a bunch of guys who show up, don't do anything and leave. So it's the worst fed up in history, but they're going to use that as their as their example. It was the proud boys before it was the three percenters before, but now they don't talk about those groups because a lot of them did get infiltrated by the FBI. But at the same token, they're going to keep focusing on groups like this, but these groups aren't doing anything. In fact, when they try to focus on the quote violence of these groups, they inevitably shoot themselves in the foot by revealing why these groups are showing up to certain places. For example, one of the quote, one of the attempts at showing how violent the right wing was 
was when groups of protesters would show up outside of drag queen, you know, events that were specifically geared towards little kids. And you would see videos of people throwing money at children dancing around at a strip club. Well, that obviously shoots them in the foot because they the story that they wanted was look at these big, mean, anti-LGBTQ um, you know, conservatives. And instead it turned into look at these people that are trying to protect children from this weird stuff. And then the rest of the country was like, yeah, that's weird. Like maybe they're not okay with a group of people with like ARs or something standing outside of it, but they're certainly less okay with uh, little kids on state on a strip club stage, having money thrown at them. That's certainly more of a concern. And so, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when my uh, <laughs> when my dad texts me in the middle of the show. Hopefully that didn't mess up the uh, cable. <laughs> oh. Stop texting me, dad. We have a chat for a reason. Um, <laughs> I pulled my phone out to look at it and then I dropped it right on the microphone. Um, so I'm going to stop doing that because I'm a professional broadcaster, damn it. <laughs> no, but that's the deal is even if people don't like how certain aspects of the right wing were handling stuff like that, you know, going out there, protesting, being visible, whatever, they're certainly, they certainly like it less, uh, when there's children on the stages of strip clubs, having money thrown at them by adults. So that stuff always shoots them in the foot. So what's the inevitable fix for that? Well, the FBI is going to have, they're going to have to create this boogeyman that Biden is telling everyone to fear. And so it's almost inevitable that we're going to see something occur and we are going to find out that the FBI was somehow involved because they have to create it. It's not shocking nor surprising whatsoever that this would happen. I think everyone agrees that it's almost inevitable. But how does this picture get painted? What usually happens and the way that I think that this is going to play out is the left is actually going to start getting more aggressive. The left is going to start showing up at things. They're going to start goading right-wingers into violence. They're, they're going to be out there trying to piss conservatives off, assaulting them, hitting them, blocking them, just in general being you know the garbage that we know that they are. But the news isn't going to cover that. What the liberal media will cover will be the counter reaction. I mean, imagine it as a group of people, maybe they're out protesting or whatever, and Antifa and the cops show up and they start beating the ever living hell out of them. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of other people come to the rescue of a group getting the hell beat out of them and they beat back the police and Antifa. The news story will be conservatives attack the police. That's what the news story will be. We see it all the time. There's a thousand examples of it, but that's exactly how the news story will be. The analogy that was used years ago on this program is that the left will come home every single day and kick the dog. They will keep kicking the dog. And then when the dog finally bites you before you can kick it, they'll shoot the dog. That's the plan here. Joe Biden 
absolutely needs the right wing to be violent for him to justify weaponizing the DOJ against regular Americans. He's already done it against Trump. So that's in the bag. Which, by the way, and another point to that entire aspect of stuff, he's already weaponized it against Trump. But also a part that doesn't get talked about a lot is how any lawyer, any lawyer who represents Donald Trump gets investigated by the Department of Justice. Every single lawyer who represents Donald Trump gets investigated by the Department of Justice. They are trying to remove any chance of not just Trump, but anyone being able to get legal representation in this country. The, the, the denial of services by the left is part of the plan. The inability for people to bank, the inability for people to have legal representation, the inability for people to operate within society unless they go along with the leftist utopian plan is built. It, that's all baked into the cake. That's all entirely baked into the cake. In fact, I have a really fun story about you know, basically liberals ruining your life because they're liberals. And some of it kind of goes into um, the idea, some, some of it goes into this idea of how the subscription-based society that we're building is absolutely how uh, it's by design. Um, so there was a Colorado utility that locked 22,000 thermostats in 90 degree weather due to an energy emergency. Now understand that that's, that's because, you know, of, of the, uh, Internet of Things. Your thermostat connects to the internet. You can control it on your phone, all of this great stuff, but the utility is able to lock it out. Here's uh, here's the article about this. Um, and this is uh, from Ben, ben Zisloft at the Daily Wire. Thousands of Colorado residents were unable to change temperatures in their own homes on Tuesday when a smart thermostat company locked its devices at a balmy 78 degrees Fahrenheit due to a local energy emergency. Excel Energy offers a one-time $100 bill credit and a $25 annual incentive for Colorado customers who enroll in a program that lets the utility company ease the strain on the electrical grid during the hottest summer days when temperatures climbed up, or when temperatures climbed above 90 degrees Fahrenheit in Pueblo, Colorado. Roughly 22,000 customers who opted into the initiative were locked out of their temperature controls, Excel confirmed to ABC7 Denver. Quote, it's a voluntary program. Let's remember that this is something that customers choose to be part of based on the incentives. Excel Vice President, um, Excel Vice President of Customer Solutions, Emmett Roaming, told the outlet. So it helps everybody for people to participate in these programs. It's a little bit uncomfortable for a short period of time, but it's very, very helpful. Romine added that this week's high temperatures in Colorado represented the first time in the program's six-year history that users were unable to override their thermostats. Residents, however, 
were disturbed by the move from Excel. Quote, to me, an emergency means there is, you know, life limb or, you know, some other danger out there. Some, you know, massive wildfires, one customer told ABC Denver. Even, it, even if it's a once in a blue moon situation, it doesn't sit right with us to not be able to control our own thermostat in our house. The Western United States is facing a prolonged and possibly record heat wave that could lead to temperatures as high as 115 degrees, according to an announcement from the National Weather Service. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles Ca County Fire, meanwhile, the Los Angeles County Fire Department disclosed on Wednesday that a wildfire raging over 5,000 acres and threatening 550 structures broke out near the city. The California Independent System Operator advised residents on Wednesday and Thursday to set their thermostats at 78 degrees or higher, refrain from using large appliances, and avoid charging electrical vehicles during peak hours. The request follows new regulatory standards from the California Air Resources Board requiring 35% of new vehicles to produce zero emissions by 2026. So now understand, because of green energy nonsense policies, utilities have the ability to shut your thermostat and make it and force you to keep it at 78 degrees. The whole reason for that, the 78 degree number, was because that's supposedly the magical temperature that's going to save the world. But like we were saying earlier in the program, how amazing is that? Giant energy companies are now heroes of the left because they get to control your life under the guise of green energy. And how hilarious is it? California, at the same time that they want to ban all petroleum vehicles, are now having to tell all of the NPR Americans that bought Teslas that they're not allowed to charge their cars because they have blackouts. And we've talked about this before. We talked about the fact that the energy infrastructure in the United States literally cannot handle the strain that electrical vehicles will put on it. And it's amazing because how are those electric vehicles actually powered? Through coal, because that's how the United States gets a lot of its power. It's not like we have nuclear energy. Most of those plants are being shut down. There hasn't been a new nuclear energy lease given since the 70s. It's coal, you morons. It's all powered through coal. We're burning giant amounts of coal to save the planet. Of course that happened. Green energy is just the new grift. It's once again, another giant business that is getting a bunch of money from the government so they can put people in fear and tell them that every, the, the world's going to end in 12 years unless you vote for Democrats. That's the entire, that, that's all of it right there. That's the entire point. Vote for Democrats or the world's going to end. Buy, buy, you know, buy a, buy an electric car that we can turn off, that we can put in a kill switch on. We can deny your ability to charge it and claim that it's because of some sort of energy emergency. Buy a, you know, buy a, a, uh, internet connected thermostat that we can turn off or set to 78 degrees to save the world or just shut off. Why not? What if you're one of those MAGA Republicans? Maybe they just turn off your thermostat. Maybe they just shut down your electric vehicle. Maybe they just deny your bank. All of these things have happened. We have watched the left 
persecute their political enemies by trying to shut down basic services to them. So forgive me if I get a little skeptical at the idea of a subscription-based society where everything from our food to our money to our transportation can be based on a subscription that can be taken away based on the whims of some psychotic leftist. We are voluntarily signing ourselves up for a totalitarian society. We're doing it with smiles on our faces under the guise of convenience. And it's the same thing as what I was talking about earlier with social media. We have been canaries in the coal mine about the collusion between the government and social media for years now. And so many times we were getting stabbed in the back by other conservative commentators who wanted to screech about the free market as if it wasn't obvious that there was collusion between the government and these entities. Tech has constantly been in the pocket of the government. They are part of the administrative state. They just work under the guise of a private company. But they are the oligarchs. Now, I know that that's a very cynical thing. I just went down a whole road of basically awful dystopia. But I don't want you to worry too much because I think that we are actually on a curve where people are pushing back. They're seeing it. It terrifies them. And they are absolutely fighting back. And there's a ton of encouragement to fight back. Um, months and months ago, and I've got, to, I've got to get this guy back on the program, but months and months ago, we had a gentleman on here named Joe Dolio, who has been building up basically a base of people by talking about uh, rugged individualism is the, the way I would define it. None of these are his definitions, but uh, rugged individualism, the idea of how to survive on your own. He does a lot of survival stuff and there's a huge hunger uh, so much so that we've been discussing different ways that we can kind of help our audience sort of see some of this stuff and become more prepared. But preparedness and independent living is becoming viable once again. And that hunger is transcending a lot of political stuff. Um, and so you have people uh, like when when those of you that listened to it listened to our program with Joe Dolio you all saw where there is this idea of how do I make it to where I can independently live away from um, this amount of control? Because I think the re what I'm getting at is so many regular Americans can see the writing on the wall, which is already ahead of the curve. I know that the way that a lot of people want to look at it is, you know, we're already screwed, but I don't think we are. I, I, I think that people... Ultimately, as scary as this is, I think it's getting a lot of Americans into the headspace that previous generations were just naturally in, and those previous generations worked so hard and gave us such a comfortable society, and they did such a great job of building so much comfort that we took it for granted and screwed ourselves. We got lazy 
And I don't fault previous generations for the hard work. And I mean, we literally, we live better than the kings of our ancestors. And we owe it to those ancestors for having built something just so amazing. But our lack of gratitude has equated to us, unfortunately, getting lazy and, and taking advantage of it. The lack of appreciation and the understanding of the sacrifices necessary to get us where we're at. But we are getting better because people see it and they're working for it. They're pushing hard into it. And there are great people. I, I cannot highly recommend. The, part of the reason why is before the show, I was looking at a couple of different things. There's a, a guy who does survivalist training that I actually might go attend his class because it looks very interesting, primarily having to do with radio operations. Um, you know, and I, I need to brush up on a lot of that. But um, I've been looking at taking taking one of his classes. Uh, and maybe getting him on the show, but Joe Dolio also released scouting, scouting, um, and reconnaissance as a new book. And so I'm going to pick that up as well and probably have him back on the show as well. Um, so I do highly recommend people go, go take a look, uh, good guy, r- really nice people, really, um, really good community. And, and since, you know, we're kind of into the last half hour of the show. I, I think I'll talk a little bit about that. Let's just talk about this community since it is just me. And um, I don't want to keep beating people over the head with, you know, all the Joe Biden stuff is uh, there are really <clears throat> social media communities are hard, right? Um, I've complained about it before about how much I can't stand the gun community um, because they're annoying. Uh, in the idea that like you can't ask a simple question of the gun community because they'll just lash out at you and tell you how stupid you are. That's not everybody. So it's not entirely fair, but it's enough that I think it's okay for me to paint with that broad brush um, that I legitimately would never, ever, ever post a question on any sort of gun forum at all whatsoever. I would never do it uh, because everyone's going to just bitch about whatever caliber I want. They're going to tell me whatever brand I have is garbage. They're just, they're like car guys, you know, car guys, you know, they, they like Ford. If you don't have a Ford, you're garbage or they like Chevy. And if you don't have a Chevy, you're garbage, you know, it's the same kind of crap. The survival community can be very similar in some ways. And for me personally, I like teachers. I like people who have more of a passion for teaching than they have a passion for knowing everything. The people who know everything really like to let everyone know that they know everything. People who like teaching, their passion is at pushing that information. They get excited over introducing people to that kind of information. And so there are people that we see um, that like to be teachers. And those are the people that excite me. They're the, they're the people that I, I find a kindred spirit in. Um, and we don't do guests a lot on the show. One, because as you've, you've seen with some of the audio issues that we've been dealing with uh, recently, um, it's, it's even more difficult when you get guests in on it, but also we, we wanted this to be more interactive with the audience, less interactive with us, just bringing other people to tell you things. 
Um, but occasionally we do bring on guests and, and those guests are some of those people. And, and there are, there is a really good community out there of people who uh, talk about survival, talk about how to become less dependent on government things, talk about how to become, you know, more of a rugged individualist, how to feed your family. Um, there's a lot of skills out there that people can learn. And I, you know, technology is fantastic. There are some amazing things that are happening techno technologically. And I'm a huge fan of technology. I'm a huge fan of space exploration. There are a lot of very high level tech technological things that I get very excited about. And, you know, in, in my non-broadcasting life, I work in the technology sphere. But at the same time, I'm a huge advocate for people not being dependent upon technological solutions, people being able to, you know, grow their own food, just understand some of these basics. And that's something that we really do want to lean into. Um, and it, it's, it's always, it's always good to find where there are, you know, people out there that can kind of explain these situations in a way that isn't, too high of a bar. And I don't mean this from the idea of scaring the shit out of people. I've never liked the idea of telling everybody, you know, um, that you need to run for the hills and build a bunker. Not that I'm against building a bunker. I think that's awesome. I've actually looked into it. Um, I'm not against building the bunker. What I am against is the running for the hills part. And this is the part that's always interested me. And I, and I look, don't get me wrong. I understand it. But when schools really started to go to shit um, and people started noticing it decades ago, the response from the conservative community was pull your kids out of the schools, homeschool, literally run for the hills. They didn't want to fix schools. They didn't want to solve the problem. They just ran for the hills. Liberals love it when you run for the hills. They don't want you here. They want you in the hills. They want you to be Randy Weaver so they can murder you by entrapping you with the feds and then killing your entire family. They love it when you're in the hills because when you're in the hills, you're alone. And when you're alone, they can kill you. And don't get me wrong. I want to buy the side of a mountain and build a compound on it. And I want to have my goats and I want to have my land, and I want to have my chores. I absolutely want that. But I'm not going to run for the hills. I want people in suburban America to know how to be independent, how to be the true way that we built this country, which is a bunch of rugged individualists who through their own charity became a society, not through the, not through necessity. That is what is going to make America what it should be is the ability for people to be independent, but we are going against forces that want a dependency based United States, because when you're dependent, you can be controlled. And so I like those parts of the communities. <laughs> Colleen says, I want HOAs to allow chickens in suburbia. Let me teach you a secret. 
get the chickens and make the HOA come for you. I hate the concept of HOAs so much, but out where I live, that's it. There's no, there's no communities that don't have an HOA that don't cost an obscene amount of money. And by that, I mean, you're buying several, several, several acres of land. Um, that's going to cost an obscene amount because we're right outside of DC. Um, but yeah, yeah. Eric says the, the HOA thing is nothing more than a big money grab. No, absolutely. It's a big money grab. And it's also just the worst kinds of people being given power, which is exactly what we saw during COVID, right? Is like the germaphobes at the office all got the power suddenly and we saw how they acted. Yeah. It's, you know, somebody doesn't like your flower bed, so they're going to go bitch about it. And they basically, it's just bureaucrats. The only people who get excited over doing anything in committee are bureaucrats. And one should always be skeptical of bureaucrats. They're never good people. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's kind of the end result of it. But, you know, at, at, at the, uh, at the end of the day, there are great people in the community. We do want to get some of those people on as guests. And I think that we're, we're kind of hitting a prescient moment, uh, where some of these discussions would be a good idea. Um, but let us know, you know, let us know what kind of stuff you're interested in when it comes into survival. Cause there are some things that we're, um, we're, we're looking at, um, even outside of just guest content, you know, uh, uh, we don't have sponsors. We're sponsored by you guys. Uh, we don't necessarily want to sell you things, but there are some things that I am interested in um, offering to the audience. And so there is some discussion on on different stuff. And you know, we're not running fast to do it because um, keeping this show pure um, requires requires us to really think about what we're doing and not just jump at what's going to make money or what, what's, you know, what, what's going to equate to likes and follows and, you know, what have you, we just want to be good content. And it's part of the, you've, you've seen that in some of the decision-making that we've made throughout the, throughout the years of this program. Um, but there are some things that we're looking at. So let us know what you're interested in when, when it comes to, you know, being an individual individualism, what are some of the subjects that interest you on that? What are things that you want to know more about? And we would definitely love to help, um, you know, look into that. So you can always hit us up on social media. Um, you can always send an email to contact at wrongthinkradio.com, you know, or just comment here, you know, on the show and, and we'll definitely see it. Um, but with all that being said, I think that's a good closeout for the show. It's a little bit early, but hey, it's just me. And so we'll take a little bit of a break, but thanks for, you know, joining us out here. And we'll be back, of course, next Sunday at noon Eastern to bring you guys our facts and analysis I'm Aaron from the East Coast, and this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next Sunday.